Salt is coming. We definitely hope that you guys will be there with us. It is, uh, listen, I promise you that over your Christmas break, this is going to be the most valuable thing that you can do over Christmas break spiritually. Salt is where you want to be. Whenever they said there's some great speakers coming, um, let me let me explain. Um, we have like some of the heroes of Chi Alpha who are going to be speaking at Salt this year. And, um, and, and so I, I can't stress enough, like if you love this at all, you're going to hear from some of the guys who started this on a national scale, okay? Like, it, it's going to be legit. And so I, I would encourage you. I recognize 199 for some of you. You're like, that's a lot of money. Listen, start mowing grass, start selling stuff. You know, I don't know. Sell your clothes if you have to. Just eBay everything and go to Salt. It will totally be worth it. I assure you it will. And, it, hey, genuinely, if you are having trouble financially getting there, um, listen, I want to help you out in any way that I can. Your life group leader wants to help you out any way that I can and, and any way that we can. Um, but I, I will find you a sponsor if, if I have to, to go to Salt. Like, you, you come to me and say, I got $63. I'm going to go, okay, great. We're going to find you a sponsor for the rest. And so I, I seriously want for you guys to make plans to be there. It, it is it is hands down like the coolest thing that you're going to do over Christmas break, except go to Christmas with your family, maybe. Um, some of you guys are like, you have been, you have spared my family. Uh, maybe it's not so awesome for you, but it is for me. Um, so, hey, I want to I want to start off tonight just real quick. Um, you guys, you guys, if you've been around, you've, you've kind of heard that we've been in a series called on earth as in heaven. So at one point when Jesus was rolling around with his disciples, uh, his disciples heard him praying. They heard him pray in such a magical, phenomenal, awesome way that they were like, Jesus, we want for you to teach us to pray. And in the middle of this prayer, Jesus makes this awesome statement where he says, um, he says, we want for God's will to be done on earth as in heaven. Because you recognize that that. Everywhere else in the created universe, God's will is done, right? You ever thought about that? Like, the earth is the only place that God has went, okay, I'm going to give humans, humanity, a chance on the earth. And we're going to let them, like, see how this works out for a little bit, right? Now, he didn't really pull his hands away like some people would, would have you believe that God is, like, totally distant. He's not connected. That's not the case at all. And therefore, we get to pray to the God, our creator, and say things like, Lord, we want your will done right here. We want the, the kingdom of heaven to come to earth. We want things to happen right here in Chi Alpha on earth as they do in heaven. And so we've been talking about what does that really look like for us as a community? How can we take... These kingdom of heaven um, principles. How can we take the culture of heaven and how can we implement that right here on the earth? And so tonight we're going to talk about a culture of honor, a culture of honor. And so for us in Kyle, this culture of honor is a big deal. And so tonight um, we thought that we would honor someone who works very hard in our ministry, um, Justin Wells. Come up here, brother. We, we want to honor you. So, reasons you may not recognize about Justin, that, you know, you think he just comes up here and plays the guitar and sings and he makes it look pretty easy and, you know, but this dude puts in like hours every week preparing just to show up early, way before you even thought about being here. He was already here setting up gear, practicing songs, lining out musicians. He works very hard be able to lead us in worship. And so um, we thought 
that we would honor you and your wife tonight. And I've got $30 worth of gift cards right here Woo. just for you, dude. And so I figured, you know, maybe tonight when we're going to a cheap place like Kane's or something, you know, you could like take your wifey to a nice place, get her, I don't know, what's your favorite restaurant in town? Roadhouse? Big, yeah, big steak dinner. How many of y'all would like a steak dinner tonight? Yeah, yeah me too. But we're going to give it to Justin. So here's the deal. Dude, I want you to take this $30 worth of gift cards. I want you to take your wife, give it to them, and pay for your, take her to Roadhouse. Y'all hang out and have a great time. That's $30 worth of gift cards just for you. How's that sound? That'd be great, but that's not going to work. It's not going to work? It's not going to work. Why's that? <laughs> you telling me that Roadhouse won't honor a Chipotle gift card? Call it. <clears throat> so. <laughs> well. Okay. So here's the truth. I really do want to buy you dinner, brother. I'm going to, but. How many of you guys recognize that Roadhouse doesn't honor Chipotle gift cards? You recognize that, right? Yeah. Okay, we honor Chipotle gift cards. I love Chipotle personally. Like, I'm down, you know, but, you know, you, treat, you try to pay for a meal. At Ro- Listen, this, because Roadhouse doesn't honor Chipotle gift cards, this doesn't get you much at Roadhouse, does it? Now, I want to share with you. You can go and have a seat, brother. Thank you. Um, I, I want to share with you something that happened to Jesus about 2,000 years ago. And it was kind of the same thing. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Mark chapter 6. And what happened to Jesus about 2,000 years ago is that Jesus is rolling around from town to town. He's like preaching the word. He's healing people. There's like miracles going on in mass all around him. He's like giving sight to the blind, the lame, walk. Dude, he's performing miracles, casting out demons. All this cool stuff is happening around Jesus. And then he gets to his hometown. And everything stops. It just comes to a halt. And here's why. Let me read you the story. Mark 6, verses 2 through 5. When when the Sabbath came, Jesus, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What is this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this... Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Verse 4, Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and among his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them, He was amazed at their lack of faith. Now, I want you to recognize something there. In verse 5, it says this. He could not do any miracles. This isn't he would not. See, like, if if I were Jesus and I were to roll into my hometown and I'm like the man, I'm doing miracles. I'm like laying hands on people. They're getting healed. I'm like casting out demons and all the schools. And, you know, like the, the bully from down the road from junior high comes down the street and he, like, wants prayer. That dude might not get prayed for, right? Like, I probably would not. But I'm not Jesus, right? Jesus is good. So Jesus comes in, and it doesn't say that he would not. It said he could not. Why? Because they didn't honor him 
in his hometown. You see, just like Roadhouse doesn't honor Chipotle gift cards, Jesus was not honored in his hometown. That's crazy to think about, isn't it? That the creator of the universe rolls into his hometown, they refuse to honor him, and he could not perform many miracles there. See, sometimes I'll finish preaching a sermon, and like one of you guys will come up to me after service, you'll be like, he that was so good. That was, dude, that was so awesome. That was like the best sermon you've ever preached. And in the back of my mind, what I'm thinking is, no, that's not the best sermon I've ever preached. That's just the best you've ever listened. <laughs> See, you came in with a high level of honor for the preaching of the word of God, and it allowed God to move in your heart at a high level. Because I can tell you every time I messed up. I can tell you everything I did wrong. I can tell you every reason that that sermon should not have been. Listen, you'll come up to me and you'll go, man, whenever you said this, that was so good. And I'm reviewing my notes in my head going, I didn't say that. God said that. You were just really paying attention to what the Lord had to say in that moment. I can show you my notes. It wasn't in there. God was just speaking. You were honoring the Lord in that moment. He showed up in a big way. And it all begins with honoring God. So we're going to talk about three ways that we honor tonight. The first one is the inside of this community, inside of this culture, where we're hoping that the culture of heaven invades our culture right here on earth. We're going to honor God. We're going to honor God in a big way. Listen, I, I hope it is never said inside of this community or inside of our hearts that we did not honor Jesus. Therefore, he could not move. We want to honor the Lord. Now think about this. Um, we would say this, familiarity can be a killer of honor. And so it, it kind of works like this. Um, your familiarity with worship and with the presence of God can actually begin to remove your excitement for the presence and the worship of the Lord. I'll put it like this. The first time that some of you walked into Chi Alpha and you experienced like a worship service where we were lifting the name of Jesus in a very real way. Some of you walked in here and you thought we were the coolest youth group you'd ever been to. And that might be true, but we're not all that cool. And it didn't take you long to figure that out. And before long, worship wasn't this amazing experience with the Lord. Worship was this thing that you were just kind of hee-hawing through. If we can put it that way. It's an old school word. You guys know what that means? Nope. No clue. <laughs> you weren't excited about it. In the same way that Jesus rolled into his hometown and they're like, isn't this Jesus, the guy that we grew up like? He grew up right down the street. Isn't that that Jesus? We walk in and we go, isn't that the same thing that happened last week? Worship happened? Yeah, it happens every Tuesday. And we begin to lose our excitement for, for the Lord and the presence of the Lord. And, 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 you know, we just don't want to let familiarity be a killer of honor, right? I don't forget, don't forget, there are people the world over that don't have a community to worship inside of. They're not led by a band. They're not able to congregate in a public area. In fact, the last decade for Christians has been the most um, deadly 
There have been more Christians killed in, in, in just the last hundred years of Christianity than all of the other years combined. My Christianity is safe for us, but it's not safe for everybody, right? Singing praises to Jesus is safe for us, but it's not safe for everybody. And sometimes, because we're so familiar with the thing, we kind of take it for granted. See, we'll kind of treat maybe a Tuesday night or a life group or, you know, a Sunday morning. We'll kind of treat that kind of flippantly. And, you know, but, but here's the truth. Like, okay, Apple has made this super apparent to us recently. How many of you guys have updated your phone and you now have screen time? How many of you guys have checked out screen time recently? Raise your hands. I'm serious. I want to see because... There's like three of y'all raise your hands, and I'm like, surely you're way more tech savvy than this. Okay, good. So some of you, about half of you know what I'm talking about right now. You've either, <laughs> the rest of you have either failed to update your phone, um, or uh, you're like, I, I looked at it intentionally. Um, because here's the thing, that, like, screen time is a snapshot of what you have valued most. We have a cat rolling in here. Imagine that. What? Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> you just want to come hear the preaching, I guess. Yeah. Um, screen time takes this snapshot. It says, hey, in the last seven days, you spent this much time on your phone doing this or doing this or doing this. And if I'm just being honest, like I sat there and, and the first time that I opened up screen time, um, it gave me a snapshot of like the last 24 hours. And I was kind of ashamed because it was like all this other stuff was up here and my Bible app was like down here. And I was like, I'm sorry, God. I didn't realize, you know, like, but because the truth is what we honor, what we value, we make time for. Right. So I mean, like genuinely, like consider how much time are you, are you spending on different things? And so I'm sitting there looking at my screen time. OK, in my defense. YouTube, when YouTube is open on my phone, it's usually playing a worship playlist, right? So I had this lot of YouTube going on there, right? You know, and I, I, but I got to thinking, I was like, okay, Lord, at least I was worshiping you during that time. Um, it didn't matter. There was a whole lot of other stuff that, you know, I was filling the time with there. But as, as I'm sitting there and I'm, and I'm kind of praying over uh, this sermon, I've been praying all week, like, Lord, what do you want me to share? What? You know, what are we talking about? How are we going to convey convey this idea of honor to Kyle Financial Estate? And um, and I began to um, to pray over this, and I really felt the Lord speak something specifically to me for you guys, and it has to do with like overcoming sin. And and because when it comes to overcoming sin, like what we know is that we're not supposed to just like. Bear this burden alone. Part of identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is, is obtaining the new life of Jesus and His Holy Spirit that can come live inside of us and that helps us overcome sin. Like we're not supposed to do it on our own. But some of us end up continually struggling with the same sin over and over and over again. And yet, according to Scripture, we're supposed to be more than conquerors. Is what scripture would say. And the Lord, the Lord spoke this to me, and it kind of wrecked my world a little, a little bit. He said, um, You have no power to overcome sin because you have none of me. And you have none of me because you don't spend time with me. Now, 
for a guy who just looked at his screen time and recognized that I really suck at this, that like broke my heart. I was like, Lord, you're right. Like, I haven't been prioritizing the Lord rightfully, you know? I haven't been giving him the time that he deserves. Literally, this is what he said. You have no power to overcome sin because you have none of me. And you have none of me because you don't spend time with me. You don't prioritize me. That kind of broke my heart a little bit. Because here's what I know. We should prioritize Jesus above all else, right? Like, some of you are super relational, and you spend way more time with others than you do with Jesus. <laughs> Take a screenshot, you know, a screen time of, like, your day-to-day, and who um, or what is most important to you. And, and, and for many of you, it's way more important for you to be hanging out with friends than it is for you to be hanging out with Jesus. Right? If, if we're just being real. And what we're saying is we're literally giving them an honorable position that is above Jesus. Because we're prioritizing them over the Lord. Right? And some of you, like I, I talked to um, I talked to a lot of us in here. Um, we we, we kind of have the saying where we go, hey, before you feed yourself physically, feed yourself spiritually. So like every single morning that you wake up and you sit down to eat your bowl of Cheerios, you ought to be thinking in your mind, I should be feeding myself spiritually as well as physically right now, okay? But but for many of you, you'll go, but Heath, um, man, I just, it's tough, dude. I don't like waking up in the mornings. And literally what we're saying in that moment is that we are making sleep a greater priority than spending time with the Lord. If I can just be honest, from now until the time that you die and get to go to heaven, if you're saved, uh, it will cost you something to spend time with the Lord. And you're going to have to make a choice to honor Him above all of the other stuff that's going to try to creep in, right? And so if that extra 15 minutes of sleep, man, that is something you got to be willing to sacrifice to spend time with the Lord, right? If not hanging out with your friends for that extra hour, right, means that you get to go home and spend some time with Jesus, go home and spend some time with Jesus, Right? So we want to honor the Lord. We want to prioritize Him. We, we, we never want to treat Him as ordinary. And listen, if you get these things right, the power of Jesus is going to show up in your life in big ways. Big ways. So we want to honor God inside of this culture within Kyle. Second thing, we want to honor, I want you to honor yourself. I want you to honor yourself. So, in the New Testament, the word for honor is the word tameo, which literally means to estimate the value of or to fix a price on something. So, how many of you have ever, like, sold something on Facebook Swap and Sell or, like, Craigslist or Let Go or something like that? Like, you've sold anything online to somebody else. Just curious. Okay? Man. Wow. Like, three of y'all. Okay, um, that's impressive. Um, you either don't have anything or <laughs> way too much money. I have to sell stuff all the time just to buy other stuff. So, but but here's the truth: when you decide, you're like, man, you know what? I think I can sell this and go to salt. What's going to happen is you're going to have to place a price on that thing that you're going to have to sell, right? 
And, and so the, this word to mail is literally to, to, to place a high price on the thing that you want to sell. You are estimating the value. It's what it's worth to you so that somebody else can buy it off of you, right? Here's my question. When you think of yourself or what you're worth, what price or what amount would you place on yourself? If you're, if you're estimating your own worth, your own value, how would you define that? Because what, what I know, and I think that this has always happened, but for some reason with your generation it seems to happen more, is that some of you have a really, really low like self-esteem or, or self-worth. And let me just be honest, that's not from God. That's not from God. I got to thinking about this idea of honoring yourself. We want to place a high value of ourselves. Here's what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about being arrogant, right? And self-absorbed. I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, the hey, look at me, I'm cool, you're not kind of guy, you know? Like, but I'm talking about having a right view of yourself because you were created as an eternal being by God. Having a right view of yourself. How many of you guys have ever been to like a fun house at a carnival? Right? And you go to those mirrors that they're all like funky curves and stuff. You know, you walk up to one, you get you know real tall. You walk up to another, you get real short. Walk up to another, your forehead's three feet tall. You know? <laughs> if you ever go up to one of those and go, you got monster mouth, you know? It's like, baby shark. No. 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 You're fired. You know, some of them, you, know, you walk up to them, you get really fat. Some of them, you walk up to them, you get really skinny unless you're meat. You drink too much Dr. Pepper. You lose 20 pounds, right? Um, here's the deal. Those carnival mirrors, those, those funky, wavy mirrors, they give us a distorted view of who we really are. And the world is full of carnival mirrors. Mm. And we look at our reflection based on things in the world all the time. Like each, the job of each one of these carnival style mirrors is to highlight one thing. And if we focus on that one thing for too long, we'll start to believe that the one thing that's highlighted in that mirror is what defines us. You know what James 1 says? It says that Scripture is meant to become our mirror. James 1, 22 and 23. Scripture is meant to be the mirror that we look in that reflects who we are. Scripture gets to define us. And, and instead of highlighting one thing about you, here's what Scripture highlights. It highlights one man, one love, one righteousness, one promise, one gospel that's all wrapped up in one God. We begin to look at Scripture to see who we are. We'll begin to see that we're loved, we're forgiven, we're God's masterpiece. We are eternal. Listen, we are worth more to Jesus than His earthly life was. We are so valued and so cherished that there's an entire book of Scripture inspired by God, your Creator, that just proves how loved and valuable you truly are. But it's easy, isn't it, to begin to look around begin to determine our value based on things we see in the world. The world would love to define you based on what you've done, what you haven't done. But 
problem with defining yourself based on what you've done is when you fail, now you're defined by a failure. Scriptures never define you by what you've done. It defines you based on what Jesus has done. See, we have a choice. We can live our lives looking into the mirror of Scripture, or we can keep looking into the distorted mirrors of the world to determine our value. Tonight, I just think some of you need to learn how to look towards Scripture and find your value there. And some of you would say, I'm not good enough to be valued. Here's what Scripture says. It's not that you're good enough. It's that Jesus was good enough. Right? It's not your righteousness that that makes you valuable. It's the righteousness of Jesus. It's not that you're lovable. It is that God is love. To honor yourself, begin to view yourself the way that your Creator views you. 2,000 years ago, Jesus decided that you were worth more than His own life, and He gave it all to prove it to you. He loved you so much, He would stop at nothing prove it to you. You are loved. You are cherished. You are forgiven. Some of you need to hear that tonight. You bear the righteousness of Christ and with Jesus as your Lord and Savior the value of your price tag was written in the blood of Jesus. There's a high, high price that was placed upon you by Jesus. Now here's the thing. With a right view of with a right view of God, with honoring God, and with a right view of ourselves, where we honor ourselves, we can begin to do this third thing, and that's honor others. We want to honor God, we want to honor ourselves, we want to honor others. So Ephesians 6, 2 and 3 says this: Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, um, Do you think that when God intended for Ephesians 6 to be written in the scriptures, that he was just like, he just didn't know that there were going to be some mothers and fathers that weren't so good? Like whenever whenever God said, hey, we should put in there that they should honor their mother and father no matter what, honor your mother and father, did he just not know that you, you didn't have a good mother or father? Or maybe there's something more to that word honor than what we normally think of it as. See, I I would say this. What's the difference? Because normally whenever we look at this, we'd go, oh, yeah, you should respect your mom and dad. That's not what it says. So what's the difference in honor and respect? We would say this. Respect is earned. Honor is given. Respect is earned while honor is given. Did God just think everybody was going to have great parents? No. But God did know that we can give honor, even when respect hasn't been earned. And it works like this. For some of you, um, some of you, you're sitting in this room right now. You don't even know me, yet you're honoring me just by listening to me right now. I've never done anything to earn your respect. I've never done anything for you. Some of you, I've never even met you, and yet you're honoring me. By allowing me to speak into your life right now. You're giving me honor that I don't respectfully deserve. If we can put it that way. So we would say honor is given. Respect 
is earned. So, and then Romans 12 says this, Romans 12, 9 and 10, let love be genuine. We get that. We all love genuine. Nobody likes to be fake loved, right? Nobody likes fake people. Okay, got it. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. We don't like evil things. Cool, no problem. Hold fast to what is good. We can do that. Love one another with brotherly affection. Yeah, absolutely. That got a lot of brothers in this room. Okay, got it. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Okay, that sounds great. How do we do that? Right? Like, have you ever, ever stopped to genuinely consider how do we outdo one another in showing honor? Well, we would say this. I, I, I would say this. Um, you guys actually know how to do this more than you think you do. Like every time it's somebody's birthday, people start blowing up people's phones. People start taking people to dinner. You buy cakes. You're like, you know, singing happy birthday to people even when it's not their birthday. You know, like <laughs> you're just like finding ways to make people a big deal. Right? And so it's like, hey, we're going to go to dinner for someone's. Hey, it's Nestor's birthday. We're all going to go to dinner for Nestor's birthday. Somebody's going to get a cake with Nestor's name on it, right? Then we're going to have a party after. Hey, you going to Nestor's party? All of a sudden, we're making Nestor a really big deal. We would call that honor. We're prioritizing Nestor on his birthday. We're going to make him a big deal today. We would say this. To honor others in Chi Alpha, we do these three things. We prioritize, we protect, and we praise. We prioritize them, we, we, we praise them, and we protect them. Let's work through these real quick. Prioritize. We kind of talked about this. Prioritizing is simply making others a big deal. Like even if you don't know them well, you can still make them a big deal, Right? You can attend somebody's birthday party even if you don't know them that well. Even if, okay, maybe you've never met um, Pastor Landon, the senior pastor of this church. But if you were to walk in here right now, I would say, hey, man, you got anything you want to share with everybody? And I would gladly hand over that mic. I would make him a big deal in that moment just to honor him. Right? I would make him the priority in the room. And so you guys understand, we want to prioritize others, make them a big deal. Now, we want to protect others. We want to protect others. If you're not protecting something, there's no way you could ever say you're honoring that thing, right? Think about it like this. When, when um, you walk into a jewelry store, okay, um, there's usually like this one stand like in the middle of the room there's like nothing else around it and it's all like boxed in and glass and you know got this case around it and 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 there's like this one really expensive piece of jewelry in there right and it's and it's just all right there by itself and it, so they would say this you add value to something by placing space around it you may get a big deal right now what they don't do is they don't just like throw it on the floor Right? It's where people can kick it, walk over it. No, they protect it. They put it up on the case. They put it inside of a case. They put it up on a stand that, you know, that it's all boxed in. Listen, you can't steal the thing if you wanted to, right? It's protected, you know? And, and they're showing honor to the thing. So we, we protect the things that we want to honor, the things that are a big deal. We, we protect them. I would say this. Um, okay. Let me preach to you for a minute. 
Women in the room right now, it is your job to protect your brothers that are in this room. It is not just their job to protect you. How many of you know that inside of a family, everybody holds a responsibility to protect the family? Right? Okay. So, ladies, let me share something with you. Um, every advertising agency in the world knows this one thing. Sex sells. So you find sexual images all over the place. Why? Because they grab attention. It, it, it's, it's this uh, advertising ploy to, the, you know what, you know what you never see on, um, on like, a, a perfume or a cologne commercial? It, they always have these ridiculous commercials, right? Some super good looking person on there doing absolutely nothing important, but they look really good doing it, right? So you never see me on a cologne commercial, okay? That's what you never see, right? It, because they know that, that, that like sex sells, right? Sexually, uh, sexually derived images are going to sell. So they want it to look good and it's meant to catch attention. Can I tell you something? That, that when you're dressed sexy, you're going to catch attention. Your brothers are visual creatures. So let me just lay out a couple of quick ground, ground rules for you. Volleyball shorts are meant for volleyball. <laughs> yoga pants are meant for yoga. <laughs> and your shirts are meant to cover things. <clears throat> Help your brothers out. Amen. <laughs> Is that preachy enough for you? <laughs> Is that good enough? Preach. How many men would say amen? Amen. amen. Listen, it, it, here's what we don't want to do. We never want to be a stumbling block to somebody in the family, do we? We never want to be, a, and, I, and I promise you, I'm a man, every able-bodied man that you'll ever meet is a visual creature that struggles with lust. And lust will try to overtake him multiple times a day. Don't become another time. He is in, men are just inundated with sexual images outside of this room. Don't make us fight it in this room too. That, that's my plea. As a man amongst your brothers, ladies, please help us out. That's my plea. Men, your turn. Uh-oh. <laughs> See, men, here's what we know. Like, culture just kind of expects for you to protect the women around you, right? But there's also this little cultural thing that says that men get to be a little bit selfish in what they want. And, and so, when it comes to your sisters that are in the room, they're easily emotionally attached. And so, when you're sending text messages and Snapchats and all this stuff at midnight... There's an emotional attachment in that communication that you may not be feeling. I'm asking for you to protect your sisters in that moment. Because it may not mean much to you, but it probably means more to them than it does to you, if we're just being honest. Some of you guys are like, I have no clue what you're talking about. They're just friends. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> I, men, I, I would say this. For some of you, um, men and women, some of you need to wait until they're ready to begin to devote time to you and to devote energy to you and to devote um, love to you. Like sometimes you just need to step back for a moment 
and allow them some time with the Lord to mature in the Lord before they allow them to mature their relationship with the Lord before they begin to mature their relationship with you. Does that make sense? Um, There's an aspect of protecting one another. And, and listen, when it comes to dating, here's what I know. Culturally, we do things way different than the rest of culture. Everything that happens on a dating scene inside of the Christian family happens at a far slower pace than it does for the rest of culture. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Like physically, it should be slower. Right? Emotionally, it should be slower. You understand what I'm saying? You don't start sharing your deepest, darkest secrets on day one. Right? Okay? Everything happens for us at a slower pace because we hope to honor God. Because we are not driven by our selfish desires for the relationship. We are looking out for their best interest. That's how a Christian man and a Christian woman hates. I'm going to look out for their best interest, not just my own selfish desires. Indeed. Okay. Um, okay. Let's shift gears. All right. Um, protecting others. Protecting others inside of a family. How many of y'all know that like brothers and sisters can fight like nobody else? Right. Okay. So inside the family, let me just say, there's going to be some family feuding going on. Okay. It, it's going to happen. All right. Now, now the, the truth is, what separates our family feud from everybody else's family feud is how we handle the feud, right? Like, it, there, there's nothing in the New Testament that says that you get to be mad at someone and stay that way. You ever recognize that? The New Testament is about things like grace, forgiveness, restoration, right? Honor, which isn't respect, it's, it's honor, right? So, when... when when the family feud happens and you get your feelings hurt, right? Um, you don't get to stay mad. And, and let me just say this. You don't get to gossip either. You don't get to gossip. Um, okay, let me give you a definition for gossip. <laughs> if you're not a part of the problem and you're not a part of the solution and you're still talking about it, then you're gossiping. If you're not a part of the problem and you're not a part of the solution, but you're still talking about it, you're gossiping, right? Because here's the thing. Matthew 18, 15 through 17 says this. When, when the feuds happen, when sin enters the picture, okay? Here's how Jesus says we ought to handle it. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So um, the proper thing to do with anyone who is in sin or maybe you have a problem with scripturally is to go to that person alone. Right? Not to talk about it with everybody else, but to go to that individual and try to resolve the situation. If that doesn't work, then you go and find a couple people that, that you know love them and you know that they love them. And so now we can come together as a loving community and we can go to that 
person, that one person, not everybody else, just the one. We can keep it in, you know, the, the small clique of people that are involved, right? And we can try and we can go try and restore the relationship. If that doesn't work, then what? Well, then you come find like me or a life group leader or somebody, you know, you try, somebody who, who has some spiritual authority inside the church. And then you try and you go and talk to them again. If they're still hard-hearted and they just don't want to listen to you, they don't want to have anything to do with it, then we treat them like pagans and tax collectors. So let me ask you something. How do we treat pagans and tax collectors? Pagans are this. Pagans are people who don't believe in Jesus. Okay? They're outside the church. Tax collectors think um, thieves and drug dealers. Because the person writing this, that's how they would do a tax collector. Okay? Um, so a criminal, right? So how do we treat people who don't believe in Jesus and are criminals? Do we like shun them and push them out and push them away? Or do we love them really well with the love of Christ? And honor them. And like Jesus, we go and we hang out with them. How many times in the New Testament did Jesus get hated on by the religious elites for going and eating with tax collectors and sinners, a.k.a. pagans? Right? We love them with the same love of Christ that we've been given. In hopes that repentance and restoration and these things happen on a godly basis. We continue to make them a big deal. Pagans and tax collectors are the people Jesus said that he came for. It's the sick that need a doctor, is what Jesus said. Jesus wants to be that doctor. It's our job to take him to Jesus. <clears throat> All right. Let's talk about praising others. We're about to wrap up. Honoring others in praise often means building them up simply based on who God has called them to be. Sometimes honoring others and, and praising others through honor is simply calling out the things of God that are within them. God created you to be this man. I'm going to speak to that man that's inside of you. Right? I may not be able to speak to what you're doing right now, but I can remind you who God created you to be. So, E. Stanley Jones says this. I love this quote. Honor is placing a crown over someone's head and watching them grow into it. Mm, that's good. Honor is placing a crown over someone's head and watching them grow into it. See, it works like this. How many of you guys have ever seen um, seen that show, Drop the Mic? Like, anybody watch the Late Late Show and, and they do, like, the rap battles, the Drop the Mic thing? You know, it's... It, okay, here's what it is. It's a grown-up version of the cut-down contest you had in sixth grade, right? Where you know, your job was like to hate on the other person and tear them down and tear, you know, until somebody wins because they told you, you know, they were meaner than the other guy, right? So th it's just that in rap form, okay? And so really, like, the truth is, like, sometimes these, these are, like, like, really, really funny, okay? But, but sometimes, if we're just being honest, if you were ever the sixth grader that it went too far, like somebody talked about your mom and you had to blow up, like, don't talk about mom, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like sometimes, here's what we understand. We understand that you can cut people down with words, right? The whole sticks and stones will break my bones, words will never hurt me. That's a lot, right? In fact, I'm willing to bet that for some of you, some of your greatest pain in your life comes from words that people have said to you. And so we understand that words can cut us down. 
So let me ask you, if we understand that words can cut us down, wouldn't it make sense that our words can also build up? Mm -hmm. Words don't just have to be used to cut people down, but words can be used to add to people and build people up, to remind them of who God created to be, to call out in them those godly uh, attributes that God himself placed inside of them. It only makes sense that it should be true that we can build others up with our words. <clears throat> think about think about like funerals, right? Like people, um, and you can go to a funeral for like the worst guy in the world, and they will scavenge through that dude's entire life just to find one nice thing to say about him at their funeral. It may only be one, but they're going to find the one, right? Why do we wait till somebody's dead to honor them mm-hmm. and to build them up? Why don't we just start now? That's good. And, and, and let's, here, let me challenge you with this. Let's do it without a qualifier. Okay, somebody came up to me earlier today, like, they were like, hey, dude, those are some really nice shoes. And, and here's what, here's how this goes off. It's like, you know, we're talking about something like, dude, get some, on some really cool shoes. Did you see that shirt? He was wearing some really cool shoes tonight, but dude, his sermon was way long. There's <laughs> always like a qualifier at the end. It's like a butt, right? Like a big butt, you know? It's like, just leave the butt out of it, you know? Like, just stop <laughs> with the shoes and be good, you know? Like, that, that's, that's what honor and building someone else up looks like. You know who's really good at this? People who are, like, really good at, like, receiving honor and not feeling like they have to qualify have you ever like had somebody build you up? They say something really good about you, and you feel like you have to like qualify it. You know, I do those some really cool shoes. Oh man, thanks, dude. I got them on sale. Or I wouldn't have got them if they weren't on sale. You see what I'm saying? Like we feel like we got to qualify the thing. Hey, it's a really nice car. Oh yeah, dude. But you know, man, it gets terrible gas mileage. Hey, dude, that was that. You know, that was um, that was a great life group the other night. Oh, that, yeah, thanks, dude. Um, I, man, it really wasn't much, you know. We kind of like begin, to, like we qualify, we, we have this disqualifier for ourselves whenever people try to honor us. But here's what I've noticed. People who are really good at honoring others actually receive honor really well, too. Like whenever, whenever you become good at telling others how great they are, you're okay with other people like honoring you. And you don't feel like you have to qualify their statements for them. You don't feel like there has to be a disqualifier when it's about you. Why? Because you've managed to recognize that they're obeying Scripture and outdoing one another with honor. I got love. I'll get around some of my brothers that are in this room, and we'll just start talking. And, and dude, it's like one build-up statement after another, and it's like, dude, those are cool shoes. Like, yeah, dude, I love your shirt, man. Hey, dude, bro. Your truck looks really good today. Did you get it clean? Yeah, man, I did. I noticed you got new tires on your truck. And it's just like one after the other after the other. We just like work at building each other up. And we're like, we're not going to win this one, are we? We're like, no, we'll just stop. Okay. <laughs> and literally, you take the cut down contest and you begin to do an honor contest. Because scripture says that we outdo one another in showing honor. So honoring others with praise, we prioritize, and we protect those that are inside of our community. I 
I want you to think about this, okay? Isn't that exactly what Jesus did for us? Romans 5.8 puts it this way. God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ben, you guys can come on up. Listen, read it like this. While we were still sinners, while we were still jacked up, while we were not worthy of respect, while we were not worthy of being praised, while we were not worthy of being a priority in God's life, while we were not worthy of being protected by our Creator, Christ died for us, showing us that true love, God's love, is different. It's not earned, it's given freely. And Jesus valued us so much, He placed such a high price tag on us, he decided it was worth him giving up his life to save us, to live with him for eternity. We didn't do anything to earn that. We never could. And Jesus did. That is the gospel. That is where all of this began. That when we weren't worthy, Jesus said we were. Now I'll tell you something. When that culture takes over this community, you'll begin to see the gospel thrive inside of this community in ways you never have. <clears throat> see, I, I do think that this culture of honor exists. I do. I've seen it. But I think there's a next level for us as a community. I think that there's a next level that doesn't just say, I'm not going to do the bad thing, but I'm going to prioritize the honor thing. <clears throat> I, I, you know what, that's kind of mean to say I'm not going to say that, but every time I think of something that might have been mean to say, I'm going to turn around and say something great about that individual. I'm going to learn what it means to place a high price tag on them and begin to see others through the lens of Christ. Will you guys join me in that? I hope so. Let me pray for you guys.